On this week's episode of the WNP Podcast, we get a little edgy. Stay tuned. Episode 140 of the We're Not Professionals podcast. I'm your host, Mike Mitchelson, and joining me today, as always, my co-host, Chase Crawshaw. Chase, how are you doing today? I'm doing swell. Thank you for asking. How are you? I'm doing okay. Doing okay. That's good. It's good to hear. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really, really, good to hear. really good to hear. Doing okay. Um, <laughs> so, working a lot, obviously, uh, back at the NARA. So, I uh, just wanted a quick go. All right. We're doing rankings. This show, obviously. The hell was that? Doing rankings, chicken sandwich rankings. Go, go. Oh my god! New Panera, that, that new was... new Panera spicy. You've had it, so go, go. I have had it. I've had it three times. So it's been out for uh, a w- two weeks. Week. It came out thirty first, and it's thirteenth. Two weeks. Two weeks to the day. Sure. And uh, or tomorrow it'd be like two weeks ago. Yeah. So. I've had it three times in that span. That should tell you enough. The second one was double check my taste on it, and the third time I was like, wow, this is really good. I want it again. So I'm going to do a top three. Okay. Number one is Chick-fil-A. Number yeah. two is Panera Bread. Oh. Number three is Popeye's. Oh, wow. I like the list. I do. Yeah. Dude, I always used to get either a steak and white cheddar, no onion, or like a, a grilled cheese with... Chipotle aioli and, and bacon and stuff. Yep. I haven't had anything but the chicken sandwich. There's no need. There isn't. It's good. And uh, everyone knows here that I'm a Popeye's hater. Uh, not really. I just got to try it again. And the one on 23 is open. So. Yeah, so that's even more reason. So right now I'm I'm Chick-fil-A, Panera number two, and Burger King number three. I yeah. like the Burger King sandwich. I'd, I'd, rather, I'd rather the McDonald's one. I've only had that one once, and it was very disappointing when I first had it. So their sauce isn't like it's it's, it's like sweet and spicy. Yeah, I, I don't like that. And I still like it better than Burger King's because you're high. Burger King's is not very good. Let's ask. Let's ask Hannah Reem. Who cares about Hannah Reem? Oh, her, her her favorite TV show is Friends, and you know why? Invalidates every opinion. It's because her and I are friends, and we both like the chicken sandwich. Oh, and you're a big fan of the show Friends as well? Can't lie. So, today <laughs> on the, the WNP podcast, uh, going to be talking about the Tom Brady craziness with Miami. Shout out John Ream, husband of Hannah Ream, big Miami guy. Uh, Derek Carr, he gets a new contract. And then, of course, we're going into our top eight edges, our top five linebackers. Uh, very excited to get into that next week on Monday or Tuesday. I haven't really decided yet. I think this is actually going to come out on Friday just because... My sleep schedule has not been very good when it comes to editing the night before the show is supposed to release. So uh, the final episode will absolutely release before the actual draft, but we'll see about some of the other stuff. Uh, So, yeah, let's talk about the Tom Brady craziness first. Obviously, uh, there's been rumors out there, and it's been confirmed by a couple different sources that Tom Brady retired was going to be a minority owner of the Miami Dolphins. 
bring Sean Payton in and then unretire and be the quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. That didn't happen. The Brian Flores situation uh, came out and they were like, or Tom Brady was like, you know what? I don't know if I can do this now. So yeah. it, it, very strange situation. Um, you know, it, it looked like it was all part of a big master plan that obviously fell under with uh, the lawsuit and stuff. So it, it just, it was really strange when it all came out. It was something I didn't really expect. You know, I heard that, oh, Tom, before this came out, Tom, the rumors that Tom Brady was trying to go to Miami. I'm like, that doesn't sound right to me. That seems right. weird. It doesn't make much sense, but whatever. And I guess, you know, like he was in a way. Um, it just, but really strange how it all unfolded. And he, you know, instead of buying, you know, a share in the team, he unretires. Uh, it just, everything about the situation, just strange. Yeah. My question is, why did he want to do it with Miami? Versus like a Tampa Bay or I mean, another may, team. Maybe Tampa wasn't able or willing to sell him a share, and Miami was, and he still wanted to stay in the state of Florida. And who wants to buy into the Jacksonville? Jags? Who wants to buy into the Jags? Or, or trying to get back at Billy B and the Patriots. Same I, division. I mean, maybe it's 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 not impossible. It's definitely part of the like a part of the reason. Like it helped influence. Like oh, it's against my my former team. Yeah, mm. truck them. Yeah, uh, let's not talk about Derek Carr gets a new contract. Derek Carr is a quarterback that you and I feel uh, is very underrated. I think he had a very solid year this year, and there was questions on what the Raiders were going to do. Were they going to continue with Derek Carr? Were they going to look to upgrade? Obviously, a lot of upgrades happened so far. Russell Wilson, uh, Deshaun Watson with the Browns, Matt Ryan with the Colts, Carson Wentz over with the Guardians. Still got to get that right. Almost called them the football team. Commanders. Com- Commanders. Guardians are baseball. Well, see, still got to get it right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, a lot of uh, QB upgrades. The Raiders decide let's stick with Derek Carr. Yeah, I mean, you like it? It's tough because he's not a bad enough quarterback to replace, you know? Like, yeah, like, I, I mean, he's underrated. I like him. Yeah, he's not a bad enough quarterback to replace, but. You got like eight quarterbacks in the AFC alone that are more game changing than he is, so uh, it's it's gonna be hard to try to win in the AFC with the Raiders. They're gonna have to really do it by a committee approach more than just a quarterback carrying a team. It's really gonna have to be a uh, team win for them. So it, it's possible, it's doable. It's just not gonna be super easy. Uh, the money is a bit, you know, it, it, it's it's definitely it's a, pricey. A, yeah, it's it's a, it's a it's a bit bit much. Um, I know quarterbacks are all getting that kind of money nowadays, so it, it's just kind of how the market goes, but. You know, it's better than trying to result to the draft this year or next year. Yeah, $121.5 million over three years. Uh, that comes out to $40.5 million per. So uh, it is a bit much, and they just gave that huge contract to Devontae Adams. But, hey, if this is a duo that you believe in, why not? Go all in for them. And the Raiders are a team that are going to have to uh, – have a great quarterback to compete in that division. I mean, all four teams look very good right now, and the Raiders very well could come out on top if they get good enough quarterback play out of Derek Carr with the addition of Devontae Adams. It's not so. impossible. I mean, he had the MVP season in 2016, right? That's what it was? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, so like he it took me to a uh, fantasy football championship. <laughs> it was so awesome. It's I been know. so long. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. I'd love to know what some Raiders fans think. I know we've got a couple listeners that are Raiders fans, so go ahead, put down in the comments what you think about the Derek Carr Might as well. contract. Uh, and for those of you that aren't Raiders fans, 
down in the comments about your top eight edges, top five linebackers, because that's what we're getting into right now. Top eight edges, these are obviously defensive ends or linebackers that a majority of the time play on that edge, look to get after the passer. So we're going to be doing our top eight. This is a really fun class to look at. It's pretty deep. It's got a lot of high-end talent and uh, one of the deepest or uh, positions in this class. Indeed it is. Should I just begin my list like I, like I have in previous? Uh, sure. And uh, was there? did you tell me anything about the edges? I don't remember if you said anything to preface the edges. Um, I don't know. But uh, all I do know is the Lions pick second overall. And I this you want one of them. This is just the position I want. Okay. Really. Uh, I'll say before we head into this, there is a player in this edge class which is my favorite player in the draft thus far. Obviously, uh, we still got DBs to go over, and then we're going to continue going over other players in the position groups we've already looked at, but just go a little bit deeper. Uh, but there's one guy in this group that is already my favorite draftable player. So there we go. Now Fair we'll uh, leave it up to you. One to eight. All right, number one overall, I have Aiden Hutchinson out of Michigan. Ooh, hot take, okay. Yeah, I know. Number two, I have Kayvon Thibodeau out of Oregon. Hot take. Number three, I have Jermaine Johnson out of Florida State. Okay. Number four is Trayvon Walker out of Georgia. Number five is David Ojabo out of Michigan. Mm. Number six is George Karloftis out of Purdue. Number seven is Nick Benito out of Oklahoma. And then number eight is Boye Mafe out of Minnesota. Ah, I don't like doing this, but... Uh... We got the same players, not same positions. All, say, all eight are the same? Yep, all same. Wow, all eight are the same. Number one, Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, number two, Kayvon Thibodeau. Number three, Trayvon Walker out of Georgia. Number four, my favorite player in the draft, Yotis Karloftis out of Athens, Greece. And we'll talk about why he's one of my favorite players in the draft. Uh, coming up, number five, Jermaine Johnson out of Florida State. Number six, David Ojabo. Number uh, out of Michigan, number seven, Nick Benito out of OU, and number eight, Boy Mafe out of Minnesota. So we have the same top two. Yeah. And the same bottom two. Indeed, we It's do. just three through six where it changes up a little bit. So let's start with Aiden Hutchinson. Let's, let's start with Aiden Hutchinson. Why not? Now, I know that there is a Georgia fan listening that is not a big fan of Aiden Hutchinson, or at least was kind of confused about all the hype. He's like, he only had one game against Ohio State. The rest of the time, he's been, you know, eh. So why is he this good? the dumbest statement I've ever heard in my life. I don't know. He only it's the dumbest statement he, in life. It's, it's pretty bad. He only had one iffy game, and it was Georgia where he played just fine. Nothing well, more than just fine. You might want to might want to watch your words, because I know the Georgia fan could probably, you know. The, the 2021 season, Aiden Hutchinson... <laughs> Aiden Hutchinson dominated every single game, and then the Georgia game happened, and it just nothing went right for Michigan. And he still wasn't a complete non-factor. He like he still brought some, you know, he, he was the leader on that defense and the most impactful player on that defense in that game. So that that's just a very ignorant statement. Anyway, Aiden Hutchinson, here's what I got. He's a menace on the field, maybe the highest motor in the draft, physical freak, uh, wields a rare combination of strength, power, speed, technique, and awareness, can play in any scheme, play any defensive front position, you can have him play outside linebacker if you really need to. Uh, I, I have him as close to a can't-miss prospect as anybody in this draft. Uh, I think that's a little high. 
Uh, he is my number one. I think he's very good. Exceptional IQ, motor, like you said, great run defender, good speed, and great hand technique. Uh, can get stuck on blocks at times. Once the defender gets their hands on him before he does them, uh, there are times where he tends to get stuck a little bit. I'm also unsure if he has enough speed and bend to be elite attacking from the outside. Uh, I think from the inside or going speed to power, he'll be just fine. But pure speed off the edge, hitting from the outside, not sure if he's got enough speed and bend. And then also I've noticed that there is a false step that he likes to do often. Uh, Oftentimes he's lined up on the right side and he is coming in with his right foot and he picks up the right foot first, then plants it and then starts to move. So a bit of a false step. Those are just weaknesses that I saw and I thought they needed to be mentioned, but I still have him as a top five pick. I still think he's going to be a a great player. I don't think he's got the highest potential out of these edge rushers, but I think overall he's going to be a great day one starter for you. He's going to be a three down guy and could very well be a, you know, pro bowler, all pro similar to like a Max Crosby or some of the Bosa's. Yeah. I have him as a player graded worthy wise of being a first overall pick in especially in this draft class and a lot of draft classes you know is, is he's is he a miles garrett type prospect i'm not even gonna go there but he's definitely like the next step down from miles garrett where it's somebody he, he's gonna come in be I, I think he's gonna safely be a top 10 edge in the league with a legitimate top five upside in the league he's, he's that kind of guy you know maybe number two on this list has a little more of a ceiling i, I think but other than him I, I don't think anybody else below those top two have a higher ceiling so I think Aiden Hutchinson is the most ready to go, the most ready to play, uh, and with that combined with his ceiling, it I, I don't know why the Jags would go anybody else at first. Yeah, I think uh, Aiden Hutchinson would definitely be my first defensive end off the board last year. Uh, when it comes to the Chase Young draft, I'd rather Chase Young. When it comes to the Nick Bosa draft, I'd rather Nick Bosa. Um, but I could see him being kind of a hybrid between Joey Bosa and Max Crosby being a very good speed-to-power type rusher. Um, I think he can be a 10-sack guy every year. I don't know if he can be a 20-sack guy, like we could see out of a a Chase Young or a Miles Garrett, but I think he's going to be a very consistent player, can do really good things in the run game, and can also get a lot of pressures on the quarterback. I think 10 sacks for him in a healthy season is going to be like his bar. It's going to be his minimum. And he's got... You know, you know, sixteen to eighteen sack upside. Twenty sacks is hard to reach in the NFL. That's that's a very high number that not a lot of guys reach. So it, it you know, it's not impossible. I think he can do it, but it's also not something I'm going to count on either. I, I just I just think he brings enough of you know of that QB pressure on top of being a very capable player in the run game as well, where it's just a guy you're never going to want off the field. Yeah, I think it's nice that you and I both have him as our edge one. But we have differences differences in opinions on how high his ceiling potentially could be. So uh, that's nice to see. At least there's a little bit of difference there. Yeah. Let's not go to our number two guy, that being Kayvon Thibodeau out of Oregon. This is a guy that was highly Oregon, touted. Mike. Oregon, uh, highly touted coming into the season. And then just things kind of fell off. Uh, he had a decent year, but then there was questions about uh, his love for the game and... He went to the combine, but didn't actually participate in anything. So uh, a lot of confusion around Kayvon Thibodeau. But when you look at the tape, the guy's really good. I think he's got a lot of upside. Uh, I think he was a little bit more raw than I initially thought he was. But great speed, great strength, 
already two defined pass rush moves. Um, I think if you get a high-end coach, he goes to the right situation. This is a guy who could be, you know, 15-plus sacks every year if he obviously gets the right situation and, and grows because he's got phenomenal tools, and this is a guy that I really like with his upside. Yeah, he's got legitimate top five, maybe even top three edge in the league type of potential, uh, that, that kind of ceiling. And really, you know, the, the biggest questions on Kevon Thibodeau are people uh, questioning his love of the game, questioning his compete level. I'm going to be honest, when I'm watching film, I, I don't see where those questions come from yeah. at, at all. I, I, I haven't seen that at all. I've seen things where like, oh, he, he quits when things aren't really going his way. Um, and I, I didn't see that, you know, when things aren't going his way, it, it just kind of sometimes it piles on and he can't, you know, end up winning. You know, you, you kind of want a player who kind of forgets the previous play and moves on to the next one. And maybe he doesn't do as good a job of that as some other guys, but it really doesn't matter because once he does start winning, he just keeps winning. He doesn't stop. He gets rolling and he's just an absolute freak and it is very hard to stop. So I, I really can't see those questions. Um, and if, if those are the only questions, I, I, everything else I see in him is is legitimate elite NFL upside. So he's someone that I think is also again worthy of going first overall, uh, worthy of the Lions pick, and is safely a you know my like I have eight hundred as my number one player in this draft class. Kayvon Thibodeau is number two. Yeah, and I think Kayvon Thibodeau is the most natural bender out of this class, aside from one player that we will be mentioning a little bit later on. But he's got the the other player we're going to talk about has the advantage of being. A little bit smaller, not as uh, mean and powerful, where Thibodeau, he's got the size, he's got the strength and everything, and he still just has that natural bendability to get around on the outside. Um, so, big fan of that. Your number three is Jermaine Johnson. My number three is Trayvon Walker, but I believe you have Trayvon Walker one spot higher than I have Jermaine Johnson. So, let's go into Trayvon Walker first, being out of Georgia. This is a guy that his draft stock absolutely boomed once we hit the combine. I mean, he showed what a freak he was athletically, uh, big, explosive, uh, super overpowering. He's fast. He's a freaky athlete. Uh, the one thing that really annoyed me when watching film is George's actual defensive scheme because this wasn't a guy that we got to see just go for the all-out blitz. Georgia often stressed patience, keeping an eye on the quarterback, containing the quarterback rather than going for the sacks. And Kirby Smart even came out and said that, you know, maybe we should be going for more pressure on the quarterback. Trayvon Walker only had six sacks. Um, so I was a little bit bummed seeing that. But when the pass rush reps were there, he was very overpowering. I saw oftentimes he would shove the offensive line back. Uh, I wish I saw a little bit more speed rush out of him because we know how fast uh, and how explosive he can be. Uh, most of the time he tried to go for the power move. So um, I do do hope that he can define that a little bit better. But I think from what I saw, uh, very excited about his upside. Yeah, I've got him as my 14th ranked player in this draft class, despite being my edge four. That tells you how, what I think of his edge class. Uh, he, he is a superb talent, definitely quite unique as an athletic specimen. And, you know, a lot of what you said about Georgia's defense very well could be true and why this is the case. But I feel like when I watched him, my biggest concern was I just didn't see him like, ever really win on a second move. You know, if, if, if his first move ended up getting blocked, he just never won a block after that. It was just game over. Like he, he didn't really, you know, whenever you try to do a second move, it just never succeeded as well. I could have just been the film I watched. I don't know. It could have been the way they played defense, but. That is something I saw that raised a little bit of concerns, but I think he's someone that is going to be 
a day one impact player. Um, maybe not to the levels of the guys I have ahead of him, but with that athletic profile and with you know his little usage at Georgia, uh, when he gets more training, more usage in an NFL field, he's got a real chance to explode. So I think he does have you know a, a top ten to top five edge in the league ceiling. Maybe not as high as Thibodeau or Hutchinson, but in terms of ceiling, he is my third ceiling edge. Yeah, and I think that. Maybe the maybe we watch different tape, but oftentimes when you're talking about if he doesn't win on that first move, I didn't even see him making first moves because of what Georgia wanted him to do. It seemed like he would get right up there on the offensive lineman and then just kind of watch, just see what happens. Does the quarterback try to uh, run out of there? Is it just a run play in general? Is it a uh, a throw? What what's going to happen? And it seemed like that's just more of the fault of Georgia's defense rather than him so uh i agree i, I think his upside is very high i would actually put it number two i think that if he hits his absolute peak it's higher than aiden hutchinson's but it could be, could um, be. It's, it's close but yeah it, it's such a deep edge class and all of these guys i would be super excited to see uh and i even told you that my top seven which only discludes boy mafe um I'd be thrilled if the Bengals took any of them at 31. So, yeah, uh, let's go to your number three. That being Jermaine Johnson. Yeah. So former Juco transfer uh, went to Georgia, n- kind of struggled, never really got on the field. I, as we saw this year, it was because of how good that defense was and all the talent. Yeah. So he goes over to uh, Florida state and dominated. I mean, no, no other way to say it other than he just dominated. He's a very balanced defender. In my opinion, he's someone that you can use in the run game, use in the pass game. Um, he's got a, you know, a, a nice enough athletic profile with his power and his tools that he's going to translate pretty easily to the NFL. I think he can step on the field and really be an impact guy day one who has a, a pretty good ceiling. Um, you know, just a, a, as I mentioned that Draymond Walker is my 14th edge or 14th player in general in this class. You know, Jermaine Johnson's my ninth player in this class. So I am very high in this edge class. I think there's a lot of guys that can be almost any team's number one edge and one of the best edges in the league. So if things go right for Jermaine Johnson, he could end up being a pretty special player. Yeah, I like Jermaine Johnson a lot. Um, he's my number five. But when you just look at the frame, like he reminds you of a Khalil Mack. Mm-hmm. Or he, like he's just got the body for it, uh, which is awesome. Great frame and length, like I said. Uh, he can win both ways, from the outside and from the inside. Going more power, going more speed. I like him a little bit more as a power guy. Uh, I don't know if he's got enough speed and bend, like I mentioned with Aiden Hutchinson, to be purely on the outside and win by speed. Um, I really like that he's got an eye for the ball. It seems like he's super easy to track where everything's going, where the play's moving. Um, The one thing that kind of dropped him down to the number five spot for me is he seemed very steppy. And what I mean by that is uh, in a certain play, if it took three or four stops for Aiden Hutchinson to get to the guy. It might take Jermaine Johnson like six. I don't know. It just seemed like there was a little extra movement that didn't need to be there, making it maybe a little less fluent. And that's what dropped him down to five for me, but still a phenomenal player. I'd be very happy to see him go in the top 20. I don't know if I, I don't think I really noticed anything like that. It could just be that he has like sh- shorter strides and the steps, honestly, and then it causes a couple more steps. Like it could be something along the lines of that. I don't know. But anyway, um, I, you, you saying Khalil Mack, it, it reminded me, I saw a comp on Twitter that Jermaine Johnson has the upside in profile Khalil Mack where Trayvon Walker has the upside in profile of Von Miller. I don't know. How, how'd you feel about that? I don't know if I'd go Von Miller for Trayvon Walker. I think Trayvon Walker's a little bit bigger and doesn't going to, isn't going to win with speed as much as 
uh, Von Miller is. So I don't know if I like that comp. Um, could Jermaine Johnson's ceiling be Khalil Mack? Maybe. Um, but again, I'm not sure. I like that one better than the first, but I don't, I don't know. If yeah. I, I agree I, with both of them. I, 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 I slightly agree. I just kind of want to hear your opinion. I don't remember who tweeted it, but I, I just remember seeing that on Twitter. I was like, that's interesting. Yeah. Definitely an interesting one to look at. I, I think both of them are more suited for speed to power or inside movement though. Yeah. So, and where Khalil Mack and Von Miller, they can do both, but I feel like they're both suited better on the outside. Especially so, Von Miller. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's not talk about, Ooh, my number four, your number six, George. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, George Karloftis out of Purdue. Absolutely love this guy. Only 21 years old. Uh, literally just turned 21 years old, like four days ago. Happy birthday. Yeah. Um, he's from Athens, Greece, which is so cool. Love those type of stories. Um, and I know when we were talking offensive line, we talked about, uh, the Australian, um, and what's Raymond Austrian. Yes. So, you know, there's, there's players from different countries, but Athens, Greece is a little different in my, in my view. So, and a lot of people have said he just looks like a Greek God, which he's got the body and everything. Uh, he's a big dude at 6'4", 275. This is a guy who wins much more with power. He's the strongest defensive end in this group, in my opinion. Um, uh, I think that the one thing that stood out for me with Karloftis compared to the others is he was constantly in the backfield. Like, was he getting the sacks? No, not always. He only had four and a half sacks on the season. But the amount of times that he just pushed the offensive tackle back into the uh, the pocket, so many times. Like, way too many to count. George Karloft is just an extremely disruptive. Uh, even if he's not getting that sack, like I said, he just continues to push the offensive lineman back. Uh, I don't think he's great on the outside. He's got a lack of bend and true speed, uh, but great run stopper. Uh, can play inside and outside. I think he could be a good three-tech if a team needs it. Uh, I just wish he learned a little bit more power moves. It seemed like he kind of relied a little bit more on the speed and outside game because he was an edge. But if he learns a little bit more in the power game, like a bull jerk, uh, rather than just you know straight-up bull rush, like you could have some great talent out of this guy. It's funny because I, I thought his power was a little better than than you're even stating. Honestly, it's me saying he was the best in the class is yeah, understating. And, and I still I still think you're slightly understating. I still well, think that you saying that he needs to learn a little more power moves. I, I think that he has a little more than you're giving him credit for. But nonetheless, um, my my only thing with my, like my biggest knock on my guess is he is only going. I think he's only going to win with power in the NFL. I, I don't imagine him really winning much on the outside with speed. He is definitely going to win inside with power. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think he can definitely do it. He's a guy I'm still willing to take in the first round, but he definitely needs to really emphasize himself in terms of the power game. Um, and, it, you know, it, it's doable. I think he would be a good fit, like, for the Bengals. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've seen people think he'd be a good fit for the Lions, and, you know, I could see it with the whole Dan Campbell bite and kneecaps, just gritty, strong type guys, and, and that is what Carl Loftus is. But I, I'm I'm more of a fan of of guys that are a little bit quicker on the edge, personally, anyway. But he is definitely an interesting talent, um, somebody that I think is going to be a day one impact. Yeah, I'm a huge fan. And uh, he was talking with Barstool Sports about how to say his name. And it's 
I can't roll my R's, so I'm going to butcher it, but it's Yordas. Like, instead of that D sound that I put in there, it's just a rolled R. Um, and okay. he said that he changed it to George because that's the American version of his Greek name, where his brother Yanni didn't change his Greek name because it's super easy to say, but if he did, it was just John. So they were giving him trash about George. That's not as cool as Yanni. And so he went through all of that. And, gotcha. Uh, it was really cool to see. He's a big nerd. He watches anime and stuff. You and I don't. But oh, I sent it to know. sent it to Johnny and was like, guy watches anime. And he's like, that's pretty cool. So oh, That's funny. Uh, all right, let's not talk about David Ojabo. You're number five? He is my number five. My yes. number six. Yeah, so I, I really like how raw he is because he, he found ways to succeed at Michigan while being still new to the game, new to the position. I mean, he's really only been playing it since college. Uh, he came from, I don't remember where he came from overseas, but uh, another, Nigeria, yeah, Nigeria. That's right. And another, another import player. Uh, you know, we're talking about quite a few of them in, in this class, a couple, a couple guys with some legit upside. And that's what Ojabo has. I, I think it's going to take some time. Uh, he's really just a pass rusher at this point. He's someone that's just going to win on the outside uh, and really not do you know too much else quite yet. You're gonna have to teach him a little more in the run game, teach him to win more on the inside, win more on some power. But he, he's got um, you know, he, he's got enough of those tools in place where you can really develop him into a premier pass rusher, some guy that has pretty close to unlimited ceiling. Yeah, I mean, he's very quick, very elusive, really good bend. Um, just for a guy that is a raw talent having a, an Achilles injury really scares me. And that's why he's down it's, at six. It's tough. I, it's tough. I think that if he didn't have the Achilles injury, this would be a whole different conversation. Maybe he sneaks into my top four, but because he does, he's, he's a guy that wins because of how explosive he is off the line and how he can beat the tackles quickly, be elusive, be super quick, get to the quarterback and an Achilles is definitely going to hurt that. So I do shy away from him a little bit, but I think he is a good talent. I think he, if the Achilles heals perfectly, and I mean, modern medicine is phenomenal. We've seen players come back from crazy things super quick. Uh, so I'm really hopeful that he's going to be back better than ever uh, if he goes to the right position. If everything works out really well for him, he very well could be one of the top guys in this class, if not the top guy. Yeah, and, and with the way that, you know, Achilles injuries are starting to heal nowadays. It's just injuries in general. Um, we're seeing guys recover a lot quicker and, and return to form a lot better with the new types of medicine, new types of treatments. So I'm optimistic on that front, and I'm going to play the side of optimism. I'm not going to play the pessimism side like you are over there, negative Nancy. Everything needs to hit, though. Yeah, no, it's... When it's was the sure. last time everything hit for someone? Um, me, I'm handsome, I'm smart, um, I'm funny, great podcaster. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's not move on to Nick Benito, shall we? He is shall. our number seven uh, from Oklahoma. What do you like about him? You know, I, I got him. I, I, I texted you asking, what do you consider him? I drew a linebacker because he really is right in between. He is a, you know, a little bit bigger, uh, more pass rushing style of linebacker, or he's a smaller type of edge who can play more as a linebacking type of style. So he's right in between there, but I do like enough of the tools where he still is a guy that I'm, looking at as a first-round pick that you can kind of use a, as you need him. Uh, you know, he ran a good 40, backed it up with the athleticism that I saw on tape. Um, his size, he's not going to win a lot with power. He's going to have to do, do a lot more athletically, but I, I don't think it's going to be too much of an issue for him. I, I think he's going to be someone that you keep on the field for every type, every type of play, run, pass. 
he's going to be useful. And if you're willing to use him as someone who is along the line, someone who is back in coverage in a linebacking position, I think that's how you can get the best use out of him. You got to be someone that is willing to, you know, utilize his full abilities. If you keep him at, you know, at just uh, like a linebacker, for example, like a coverage linebacker, I think he can do it, but you're going to, you know, take out part of his game. If you keep him as just a pass rusher, again, he's going to be able to do it, but you're going to take out a part of the game that he could help out in. Yeah, and I don't think Nick Benito is anything close to Micah Parsons, but I think he could be used in a similar fashion where uh, first, second down, you play him at linebacker, but when it comes to third down where you need the pressure, you put him up on the edge, try to get him get him home, agree. Uh, get to the quarterback. So, And this is the guy I was talking about that I think is probably the most natural bender in the draft class. Um, and no, not air bender, natural bender. Um, he, he's great on the outside. And uh, a lot of the things I saw actually surprised me a little bit with how good he actually was. Uh, his open space tackling is actually phenomenal. I did not expect that. Um, but the size does concern me a little bit. The overall um, pass rushing ability doesn't match some of the guys above him. So uh, I think he is a guy that can be versatile, play edge, play linebacker. If you find the right situation like Dallas did with Micah Parsons, he could be excellent. Could be a great chess piece. Yeah, and this this is another guy that would be okay with the Bengals taking at 31, which shows how great the class is. Oh, yeah. Uh, Boye Mafe, I, I would... You hate his guts. No, you no. You, you, you wish he didn't play football. I like Boye Mafe a lot, but I think 31 is a bit of a stretch. Like, if he's there at 62, I mean, that's a slam dunk. I've, I've seen him more and more and more in the first round every day. Really? Yeah. Hmm. You know, I, I watch mock drafts almost every day on, on YouTube, and I've seen a lot more of him late first round or late first or the second is, is really where he's going. He will yeah. not be available at 62. No, I know he won't, yes. but, but that doesn't mean I want him at 31. Uh, no, it's fair. He is a freak athlete, high motor, works his ass off. Um, you know, those are the type of things you like to see from somebody who's still pretty new to the position, new to the game, because he is, yet again, another import player, still kind of new, new to the game of football and not, not been playing his whole life like most of these guys have. But he needs to just really build up a level of consistency. That's the biggest problem with these raw players is, you know, they show flashes that they can do it, and he's shown some legitimate flashes of, wow, this, 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 this kid can be kind of special. But then you don't see it again for another thirty snaps. Like they, they, that, that's kind of the problem. If he can find a way to do it more consistently and win more often, he's going to be a problem in the NFL. I agree with you. And two of my gripes with him is doesn't win consistently on the inside. Would like to see more consistent play when it comes to the run game. So, you know, he's he's a freak athlete for his size, but the consistency needs to be a little bit better, uh, especially on like speed to power and inside moves. I'd really like to see him get better there because he has the strength to be able to do that, but yeah. you don't often see him win that way. No, no, but he has the strength. He has the speed. He has those tools. They just got to be put to use the right way. Absolutely. So those are our top eight edge rushers. Let us know who your top eight. No, I don't have any honorable mentions. Are down in the uh, <laughs> down in the comments there. Uh, we'll now move down. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Move over to linebackers uh, doing our top five here. This is going to be interesting. Uh, I know you said you have some honorable mentions. We'll leave those for after we talk about our top five, but there's a, a decent chance that we don't have the same top five like we did the top eight with our, with our edges. Uh, yeah, I, I would agree. And there was one guy I on first watch a few, few weeks ago. I had him knocked down, rewatched him, and I put him back up. So we're, we're going to talk about the guy here. Uh, first up, I have number one, Devin Lloyd out of Utah. I think that's kind of been the consensus at this point. We'll uh, see. We will we'll see. see. Number two. Nicobe Dean out of Georgia. 
Number three, Christian Harris out of Alabama. The number four, Troy Anderson out of Montana State. And number five, Chad Muma out of Wyoming. Okay. I go number one. Devin Lloyd, Utah. Devin Lloyd out of Utah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Number two, Nicobe Dean out of Georgia. Number three, Chad Muma out of Wyoming. Nice. Number four, Christian Harris out of Alabama. And number five, Leo Chanel from Wisconsin. My number six. Uh, really big fan of him, but we'll, we'll we'll talk about that in a little bit here. Let's start with Devin Lloyd. Why do you like him? Well, really, when it comes to Devin Lloyd, it, it's it's interesting because I think he's super ready to play. I Same. think he has a high ceiling, but not an ultra high ceiling at the same time. I don't know. He it, it feels like he could be a day one one of the best linebackers in the league, but I don't know how much better he's gonna get. Like I, I that's that's really the feeling I get. Uh. You know, he, he's stout in run defending. He's really improved as a pass defender as well. He can drop back in the zone. He can he can read a quarterback well. Uh, he's not bad at getting the ball in his hands at all. He's had you know, a couple pretty nice interceptions in his time at Utah, especially this year. Uh, very sturdy tackler, disrupts the ball carrier in the backfield when he's when he's rushing. He's just a good athlete, not necessarily a freak, but just just a really, really good football player. I, you know, I, I could see him being the type of guy that just – is one of the NFL's leading tacklers year in, year out, just because he reads the field well, he can process pretty quickly, he can adjust to the run, to the pass, he's patient enough, and he's just got the right tools. Yeah, and I think in every aspect of the game, he's good. Now, there's other there's parts of his game that are a lot better than some of his other ones, but all of them are at least good. Uh, super instinctive, like you mentioned. Uh, the one thing I like about him, is he can definitely put the boomstick on people. Yes, he can. Uh, so I'd love to see that. Really good in the blitz, and like you said, solid in coverage with uh, the interceptions he had this year. Uh, eight sacks, four interceptions. Love to see that out of a guy who also has 111 total tackles. Um, I think his upside is actually a little bit higher than some of the other guys that we're going to talk about here soon, like the guy next. Uh, I do have some question marks about him, and we'll talk about that uh, and why I have those question marks. But I think that... He's going to be good day one, and I think he could get better. I think very realistically he could be a, a top 10, top 15 linebacker uh, at the prime of his career. I, no, I would agree, and I think like, I think he can get better. I just don't know how much better he's going to get because I think he is going to already step in and be pretty damn good. Um, you know, I, 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 I can imagine him just like being a Roquan Smith level of impact on day one is, is really what I think. Yeah, and I think that overall this linebacker class, I don't think – Devin Lloyd is going to be a Micah Parsons. No. Um, but I think once you get into that four, five, six range and that second round pick range, like there's a lot of guys who could just fill in those gaps. So uh, that's where the strength of this linebacking position is. It's not at the top, but rather that depth where you can find really good players in the second round. So uh, let's now go over to Nakobe Dean out of Georgia. This guy's a little bit more undersized, but there was some argument to be had uh, on if he should be the number one. Obviously, you and I didn't think so, but still a very good player at number two. Yeah, I mean, I have him rated almost exactly the same as Devin Lloyd in terms of like um, how like their draft grade is. So it, it is a close debate, but Devin Lloyd does take the cake. Uh, really, what it comes down to is, is the size. It, it can be a problem at linebacker in the NFL. Um, undersized linebackers don't always find the levels of success that you'd hope. So you'd kind of have to use Nicobe Dean uh, a little interesting. You know, you might have to use him in some safety packages. You might have to use him as a nickel. You might have to, you know, put him around the field like Isaiah Simmons. You might have to do those types of things just because of his undersizedness. But 
it, it really doesn't matter because he, you know, he, he's a 22 round buckets winner, was best linebacker in college football this year. Uh, he, you know, as I said, he's very useful. He, he can go back in coverage and passing downs just as well as, you know, rushing the quarterback and, and stopping the run defender. He does enough things well where I, I think it can translate, but it just might take a little more time than some other guys just because of the, those size differences. Yeah, I think that he could have a, a good impact starting day one. I think he's extremely intelligent with good lateral quickness. He's a really good tackler, and I think that the number one matchup nightmare for him, you're not going to want to put him against a tight end because tight ends are just too large for him. Mm-hmm. You're not going to want to put him up against a wide receiver or a slot receiver because they're just going to be too fast. But at running back, I think he could be very good at locking down um, a running back. So that's something I look for his future team to do which like if you know if you have him covering the running back if you have him on that QB spy if, if you have him in that type of role if he's playing the linebacker position that's what he's going to really succeed at yeah and the one thing I worry is like you said size but also I came into his I guess tape viewing thinking he was a little bit faster than he was uh Roquan Smith we know undersized but extremely fast uh not as fast here for Nicobe Dean. Still a good player. Still has some good speed um, and can do sideline to sideline. But I don't see him as that huge burner that I thought he was going to be when I first came into it. Yeah, no, he, he's he's not a burner, but like his, his lateral movement is like almost similar to his straight line movement, which is which yeah. is interesting, and, and that's not a bad sign at all for a linebacker. That's really good for run stopping too. Filling yeah. those gaps, love to see it. Absolutely. Uh, let's not talk about Christian Harris out of Alabama. He's your number three. He is my number four. Um, I'll let you go first. Okay, here's what I have on him. I have him as an intelligent defender who fights, you know, for every pressure and every tackle he makes. Very good in in run situations. Um, you know, he can be useful rushing the passer as well. Solid enough in coverage, but not someone I would, you know, be you know j- jumping at the bit to throw him in, in coverage. I, I would much rather use him in the run game and try to throw him at the quarterback. I, you know, he can cover tight ends and running backs if he needs to, but I, I just don't think it's going to be his forte as well. Uh, enough athleticism uh, to be an intriguing option for a team that needs a linebacker. Have him as a guy you could take right at the end of the first round if you're really if you're someone trading up, really needing a linebacker, and Lloyd and Nicobe didn't go. I could you know realistically see you taking Christian Harris. And I think Graham is a fan of Harris going to the Lions at 32, isn't he, or 34? I'm not sure. He might be, and I, I'd have no issue with that at all. I, I, I if they're gonna go. It really depends who's left. Um, like last night, I was watching a mock draft with Brett Coleman and Bengal, and Devin Lloyd is still available at 32, and Brett Coleman didn't take Devin Lloyd. He oh. took Traylon Burks instead, who was still available as well. If that's the case, by the way, just because this made me mad, the Jags aren't taking Traylon Burks. The Jags will take Devin Lloyd. You draft Devin Lloyd at 32, and then you take Traylon Burks at 34, and you get both players, mm-hmm. right? Like, isn't that, a, think. isn't that just an easy solution? Uh-huh. Uh, that made me really mad when I saw that. Especially if, like, depending what other wide receivers are on the board there, I wouldn't mind losing Traylon Burks and grabbing, like, a Jamison Williams or something yeah. and still getting Devin Lloyd. Yeah, so. exactly. I, I'd, I'd much rather have Devin Lloyd than, than Traylon Burks, personally, with, with how the needs are in the Lions yeah, how this talent class is working. But anyway, Christian Harris is a guy that I could realistically see going in the first round if needed. Yeah, I'm a little bit lower on Christian Harris than you, I think. Um, I think he's got really good athleticism, really good size. Uh, he does keep his eyes up reading the quarterback whenever it comes to rushing the passer, or, uh, you know, going downfield for coverage and stuff. He does keep his eyes on the ball, which is really nice. But I've seen he, he tends to struggle at tackling a little bit, and I feel like at times 
he doesn't translate what he's seen to what he actually needs to do. I feel like he freezes at certain moments, uh, but that's okay because coming out of high school, he was a wide receiver and a cornerback. So now he's playing linebacker. And a partner Right. Can't forget that. So now playing linebacker, completely different position. He's played for a little while with Alabama, but we all know Alabama. They don't get in as a freshman or whatever. He's he's had some training, but I think he'll get better as he gets into the NFL. But right now, I think he's just more of a raw guy that I'm not super comfortable with going out there and being a, a three-down linebacker right away. Uh, I'd much more prefer the likes of Chad Muma, my number three, to go out there and have production immediately. Let's hear about him. Uh, out of Wyoming. And uh, if, if if people know Logan Wilson, that's why uh, that's why I'm a big fan of Chad Muma. I mean, he's got a big frame, 6'3", 242, 142 tackles, three interceptions, only one and a half sacks, but I don't think he's a guy that is going to constantly – going after the, the the passer. You know, I don't think he's going to be in those blitz packages. I think you're going to want to look elsewhere for that, just like Logan Wilson. Logan Wilson isn't a guy that you want to be rushing the passer because of how good he is in, um, what is it? Coverage. Coverage. There we go. <laughs> um, I think he's got solid athleticism. I wish it was a little bit better. I think Logan Wilson's is a little bit better. That's why his uh, ceiling a little bit higher. I think Logan Wilson legitimately could be a top 10 linebacker in the next coming years. Uh, but Muma, really high IQ. Uh, great at stopping the run and defending the pass. Not sure if he can blitz, but yeah, Logan Wilson was my comparison there. I think he can blitz if you really need him to, but there's going to be other guys that you can probably use in your roster. So don't even bother. Just You might as well use them where you know his strengths are, and that is going to be in coverage and then helping stop the run game as well. But he is a, a multi-tool player who can play in all situations. I think there is a very high upside. I think he's a great leader on the field. Uh, you, you can just tell that that when he's making big plays, the team's really getting energized and, and, and they're stepping up to play as well. So uh, all those things combined for a pretty good tools for a linebacker. Um, the only thing he needs to do is just do it more consistently, prove that he can do it against higher-level competition because you did see sometimes you know, playing against a couple better teams, it wasn't as dominant and you know it happens sometimes it's just the way she goes but if he can prove he can do it more consistently in the nfl then he's got a real chance at being a stud yeah i big fan i I think day one he's gonna have an impact maybe not a huge impact but i think think that his team will be comfortable enough to put him out there on the field and let him play to his fullest ability i I think it's possible i I really think a team needs to fully believe in him to draft him sometimes like players are just like oh this kid fell to us that's perfect I think this is the type of guy you like trade up to draft because you believe in him. Mm-hmm. Maybe. All right, let's not talk about your number four, that being Troy Anderson. Right? He's your number four? Yeah. Yeah. So, you, you know me. I love quarterbacks, quarterbacks that yep. transition to defense. Uh-huh. I love it. Uh, Chaz Terrat was the guy last year. Didn't really get to see the field this year. Had some injuries. And then the Minnesota linebackers in front of him were just a little bit better. Hopefully, he sees the field this year. But anyway, uh, Troy Anderson is an even more intriguing prospect than Chaz Surratt. Might be my favorite defensive player in the draft. I don't know. I, I really haven't made that final decision yet, but it's quite intriguing. You know, you, you could use him, of course, as a linebacker. If you really need to, he was used as a pass rusher. Hell, if you really need to, you can use him in some in some nickel formations, throw him at DB. He has enough of an athletic profile combined with his size and his ability to read the field where he can be kind of used as, as a chess piece. Um, it's still pretty raw. You still see that he like really needs to... Learn the position better. He needs to work on his ball skills if he's going to be in coverage because um, they're not quite there yet. Like, it's still all brand new to him. But you see enough high-end talent where 
if he hits and things go right, he could be a true X factor. Kind of like your boy. Kind of like my boy. <laughs> but Troy Anderson's my new boy. It's okay. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I know Troy Anderson. Didn't watch any film on him. Uh, you know, lacking a little bit in time recently. So I can't really give a, a true analysis on what I think about him. Uh, I'll have to come back to you with that one. But um, definitely intriguing with the position change. My favorite thing about him is I think legitimately he's going to play most snaps on defense. He's going to play special teams. If you really need him to, you can try to use him on offense. You can use him as a tight end or a bigger receiver like if you really need to because he's got enough athleticism to succeed. Or a fullback like Sam Hubbard. That would be fantastic. <laughs> I would love him in the backfield. It would be awesome. All right, let's go to my number five and your first honorable mention, that being Leo Chanel, Leo Chanel out of Wisconsin. Uh, I like this guy a lot. I don't think he's great in coverage. I think he's going to be a, a guy who crowds the line a little bit more. Really good when it comes to run stuffing and just super aggressive in the backfield. A big, nasty dude, uh, and I, I love that out of him. The blitz, I think it's so fun to watch with him because of how violent his hands are. Like, he will get in the face, get in the neck, get in the shoulder pads of the offensive lineman and just kind of manhandle him. I mean, he's a big dude, 6'2", 261. So although he's not phenomenal in pass coverage, when it comes to run stopping and crowding that offensive line, like this is the guy you're going to want. Absolutely. He's going to play first two downs for you every single time. You're going to want him on the field. You can use him on third down and pass situations if you really need to, but if you're going to, you might as well just throw him at the quarterback. The throwing main coverage, it's really not going to help you a whole lot. Right. And, you know, he, he can get to the quarterback. He's got enough straight line speed and, and athleticism where he might be able to, to, to generate some pressure, but he's not going to get a lot of QB hits, a lot of sacks. But he definitely is someone who is a menace in the run game, is, is a true, just heavy, solid linebacker who, who is going to stop the run. You know, he's going to have his big games against the Titans. He's the type of guy that, that could stop Derrick Henry. Not a lot of guys can. Leo Chanel is the type of guy that could. It, it's it's exciting. I you know I think he is going to be locked and loaded day one early down linebacker, but he's really going to have to work to try to develop to get himself on the field a little more because right now it's kind of just early down is all I see. Yeah, and I gotta say, um, he reminds me of a guy we looked at last year that I had in my top five. I don't remember if you and Alec had him in your top five. But it was a guy who wasn't necessarily great in coverage, but when it comes to his effort around the line, he was phenomenal. And that was Nick Bolton, who went to the Chiefs and had a really good rookie year. So I could very yeah. see, very well see Leo Chanel have a similar type of impact. Yeah, that's possible. Uh, we both have one honorable mention. And, uh, I, well, I you have, had two. I have but, another one as well. Yes, yeah. I know. So Leo Chanel was your first, but who was your second? I'm sure. I'm going to guess it's the same one. I don't know. Quay Walker? It is not. Interesting. Who you got? His teammate, Channing Tindall. Ah, interesting. Well, real quickly, Quay Walker, another overshadowed UGA defender, just like every single one of them. Yep. Um, he's only a two-year starter, but he, he he's a very good athlete who's shown some legit flashes. I think he can be an option in the pass and run game. Um, I'm just not sure if he can be completely dominant is really what it comes down to. Yeah, I mean, Channing Tindall, I think he's just super raw, but the speed effort that he plays with, like, if he gets taught well, I think he could be an amazing blitzing linebacker. So uh, it's definitely a guy I'm going to keep my eye on. I've seen some people say, is Channing Tindall better than Nicobe Dean? I'm no, like, no. 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 But this is a guy with a lot of upside if he can reach it. So yeah, that's, that's why fair. I've got him as my honorable. That, that Georgia defense was quite special this year. You know, not often do you have a wide receiver, one or two running backs in uh, the same team 
as well as two defensive tackles, an edge, potentially three, three linebackers. linebackers. Where I, I think very likely we'll talk about at least one defensive back from Georgia ne- uh, next week. So, I mean, the team was just special overall, and that's why they won yes. the championship. Yeah, it just one hell of a football team. Um, it one hell of a defense, one hell of an offense. Uh, I'm looking really forward to seeing these guys in the NFL. You know, uh, I do this dynasty league. I was talking to you about it. It's like what we do. We only draft players that are early on in their NFL career. So it's guys. Your NFL players have essentially like college eligibility. So like a, a rookie in the NFL is going to be a freshman in this, and then you can retroplace blah, blah blah all this stuff. So you know we it's it's offense and defense. We just did our our draft, um or our recruitment technically. It's an auction bidding style. I added you know Aiden Hutchinson. I added Jordan Davis. I added Devin Lloyd, and I added a defensive back. We'll talk about next episode. Andrew Booth. I'm pretty yep. happy with that uh, recruiting class I had right there. I, I think those are all guys that are legit first round picks, legit weapons in the NFL. You know right away. And something was just crawling on my arm. That was weird. Oh, okay. It freaked me out. <laughs> Spider. But, yeah, may, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I, I might have a meltdown here in a second. But, yeah, it, it's. <laughs> that would be great on camera. I yeah. just mute your mic as you're just, like, freaking that would, out. That would be terrible. <laughs> but, it, yeah, no, it, it, it's just a really great, you know, the Jordan defense is great. Um, As I, you know, I wanted to mention Jordan Davis. And just this, this whole defensive group in this draft class is it's quite special. You know, I, I didn't really think about this until I heard it today. The reason that I feel like this draft class is deeper than normal is it's like the most um, people declaring for the draft that in the history of it, because, you know, last year with um, COVID and stuff, a lot of people took their COVID COVID redshirt year and using extra year eligibility. So the draft class was the lightest it had been in like 20, 30 years. So now we got the heaviest draft class because a lot of guys feel like, all right, I took the extra year, now we're ready. So guys that might be ranked three, four, five hundred would have legitimately been ranked in the hundreds last year. Like, so this is a very deep class, and I didn't really think about that until I heard that, but it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I'm excited for this draft, and maybe there's not the the highest end talent at the top of the draft with quarterbacks, and um, we shared our thoughts on Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, you think he is, you know, right there with the best of them. I think he might be a little step below, but. One thing is absolutely for certain, you still can get an absolute dog and starter in the third round because of just how deep it is. Right now, I have 39 guys with first-round grades. Most of those guys are second half of the first round. Um, so that, that, that tells you that there's guys that are day one impacts, but maybe not our franchise-changing type guys. Yeah, and we got a big Lions fan base that watches this, having picked two, 32, and 34 in a class that shows tremendous depth is not too bad. I hope the Jags go off the board and take Trayvon Walker or take an offensive lineman. Cause if the lions can get Aiden Hutchison at two and then do whatever, pretty much whatever else from there, if say Devin Lloyd falls 30, 32 and then 34, all of a sudden, you know, they, they, they feel pretty good. And you know, may, maybe Dax Hill falls, maybe George Pickens is still available. Hell, maybe they feel really good about a, a quarterback. I, if the quarterback's at 32 that they're going to take, they're going to take him at 32. But uh, anyway, you know, it's just, there's, there's a lot of really interesting situations that could happen with the lions that I'm very excited for. Yeah, I mean, Trent Baalke with the Jags, general manager with the 49ers from 2011 to the to 2016, a lot of times he would rather go for the high upside than the day one starter. Um, Trayvon Walker. So, very well could happen. I, I think Trayvon Walker could be pretty good there just because Josh Allen gives him that flexibility to – not have to deal with the double teams and not have to deal with the spotlight being on him immediately. So I think whoever goes there is probably going to do well, yeah. uh, but that's going to be a nasty 
defensive end group. Yes, it is. With Josh Allen, the quarterback. The quarterback, Josh Allen, yeah. indeed. All right, well, that's going to do it for the show. We want to thank you so much for coming out and giving us a listen. Um, if you do want to stay up to date with us, you can follow us on Twitter at WNP Sports Pod. This again on Twitter at WNP Sports Pod. We also have a TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. Those links will all be down in the description below, as well as the Twitter link. Uh, so make sure to click those to stay up to date with us. If you are listening on YouTube or watching on YouTube, if you could please give us a like, comment, subscribe, uh, and hit the bell to turn on notifications. YouTube will let you know when we come out with a new video. Uh, we'd really appreciate that. And we would love to know your top eight edges and your top five linebackers. Or if you don't want to do all that work, just let us know who your number one is. Is Aiden Hutchinson the number one edge in the group? Do you prefer Trayvon Walker? Do you prefer Jermaine Johnson? Let us know down in the comments below. If you are listening on a podcast platform, if you could please give us a follow and a five-star rating, we would absolutely love you for it. Thanks so much for coming out. And as always, we're not professionals. Thank you.